Um, so it's Mother's Day. How lovely is that? It's great to be here with you all. Um, today we get to honour and acknowledge um, our mums, our spiritual mums, and, um, and that is a good thing to do. In fact, every woman today gets to be acknowledged um, for what they do. Amy DeVita from our Whangarei campus um, says this. She says, for the one who has lost a mother... For the one who, for the mother who has lost a child, for the mother flying solo, for the one that longs to be a mum, and for the one who is a spiritual mum to somebody, or to many, you are not forgotten this Mother's Day. So we want to acknowledge that right at the beginning. You know, our prayer is that in the midst of all that, that you do, that you would know that God sees you. We, that God sees every highlight, every low light, every struggle, um, every challenge and every joy. He sees you. We want you to know today that you're cherished, that you're loved, and that you are special. So this morning um, for our message, we are looking at um, Hagar, and that is found in Genesis 16, verses 1 to 14. So I'm going to start by reading that, um, and then we're going to have a look at Hagar's life and see what we can learn about God seeing us. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your message to us this morning. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak into every heart. Father, I just pray that you'd speak into every situation. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here, and we love you, and we thank you. Would you bless everyone here this morning in Jesus' name? Okay, so Genesis 16, Abram's wife Sarah has not borne any children to him, but she owns an Egyptian slave called Hagar. Sarah says to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave, perhaps through her I can build my family. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife to him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for 10 years. He slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contentious with her. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and when she saw that she was pregnant, I came contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abraham replied to Sarah, Here, your slave is in your power. Do what you want with her. Then Sarah mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said to Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. The man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all his relatives. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, You are El Roy. For she said, In this place I have actually seen the one who sees me. So now in my life, there have been times where I have felt invisible or unseen. I was, I'm the youngest of four siblings, and as a little girl, my parents always struggled to pay the bills and put food on the table. And there was a season when I was six years old when both my parents were drinking really heavily. My mother would shut herself away with her broken heart and her bottle of sherry, and I, in that moment, would feel really unseen. 
In high school, I was often the smallest, was always the most timid and was often afraid and I felt unseen. In Dunedin, many years later, as a mum with four small children and no extended family living nearby and a husband who was leading a growing, vibrant city church, I really struggled to know my place. I really struggled to feel included and I felt invisible. I felt unseen. I wonder if there's been times in your life where you felt the same, where you've struggled to know your place or whether you felt excluded or you felt unseen. You know, in the story of Abram and Sarah, we have Sarah unable to conceive. And so she goes to Abram and says, you know, take my slave. It's an, it's, it's an act of surrogacy, isn't it? This would be unthinkable in our culture today, but in the culture of the time, this was actually an acceptable practice and not uncommon for a servant to be used as a surrogate. The thing about it is that slaves were seen as possessions, so what the slave owned, the master owned, and in this case, this was Hagar's child, would belong to Sarah and Abram. You know, at first glance, you might think, you might, want, you might wonder about how God could let that happen. So it's really important that we do understand that it was a cultural practice of the time, but not today. This decision that was made didn't take into account Hagar's thoughts or feelings, her hopes or her dreams. The, the Bible's not condoning it, it's just recording it. So I think Hagar, I think Hagar would have felt invisible and felt like God had absolutely no reason to pay any special attention to her. She was single, she was young, she was a female, she was a slave, she was a foreigner. Yet, we see in the story of Hagar that she does something that's really rare in Scripture. She gives God a name. Hagar has one of the long, longest conversations um, with God that any woman in the Old Testament does. And up until this point, God's revealed himself by the names that he gives himself. He calls himself Elhim, the Creator, Yahweh, I am who I am, El Shaddai, God Almighty, and Jehovah Rapha, the God who, see, who heals. But Hagar is the only person in Scripture to use this name, El Roy, for she says, it is in this place I have seen the one who sees me. So we've got Hagar given new insight, given new perspective about who God really is. He becomes personal to her in the face of all that is going on for her in that moment. Pastor Bex Green in her book, A Thousand Times Enough, says this. She says, she may have been invisible to the world, but she was seen by the God of the universe. Not only did he see her, but he promised to bless her. And in the same way that God saw Hagar, he sees you and he sees me. And I want to share three things today that um, God sees when he looks at us. The first thing is that God sees your past. Maybe you've got a past like Hagar that is uh, broken or filled with shame, or maybe you feel the weight of sin or mistakes. You know, Hagar, she was a slave. She was despised. She was scorned. She was mistreated. She was rejected. She was violated. Even her own child wasn't her own. This woman really suffered. 
I look at Hagar running away from her mistress, Sarah, in the wilderness, and I see a woman who is being used, a woman who has been hated, and a woman who has been driven away. I see a woman who felt that her past totally disqualified her. But in that moment, God knew her past, and still he turned up for her in her wilderness. I remember some time ago sitting with a woman who was deeply regretful about her past and all the things that she had done. And she would turn up at church and she would come in and she would feel like she didn't belong. And she would look around at all the Christians and she would, um, thinking that they had these kind of perfect, tidy, neat lives, all the while feeling like because of her past, she was disqualified and not able to enter and not able to belong um, in, in, in this place. I wonder if you feel that your past, some of those things disqualify you. And I want you to know today that it's not true and that know that God knows your past better than you do and he loves you anyway and he's there for you anyway. The second thing we can learn from the story of Hagar is God sees your present. Now some of you know that um, in the last few months I finished my degree as a counsellor and as part of my work I'm doing, as part of my um, having that qualification I'm doing some private counselling work um, as well as some work with Elam. I'm doing and alongside my pastoral stuff that I'm doing. And, you know, God's been challenging me just to step into some of this private work work a little bit, and it's a little bit scary, and um, that's okay. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, or maybe three weeks ago, for those of you that were in, I think, the first service, um, Mike had some prophetic words, and one of the words he had was for me. And it was about this idea of crossing over, that there's this divide and that I need to step over into this new place and it's okay and that the ground on the other side is is secure. And at the time, um, I wasn't quite sure what that word was specifically about and I, I didn't wasn't sort of clear. And so I did what we do when we get prophetic words, right? When we're not quite sure about what they mean or so we put it on a shelf knowing that actually God's going to come back to it with us later. And so I did that, um, trusting that God would do that. And one week later, Mike said, oh, look, I feel like I've got to give you this word again. And uh, so he gave it to me again. And this time it clicked. And this time I realized that actually God was very clearly speaking to me about this work Uh, that he wanted me doing, and it made so much more sense. He was talking to me about these faith steps that I needed to take right now um, in the moment, and it made so much more sense. I wonder today if God um, is speaking to you about faith steps that you need to take in the present. You know, Hagar had to take faith steps to get on and continue to trust God in some really difficult circumstances. You know, God had a plan for her present, and um, that was so good. So Hagar, um, some, so yeah, so God, so God had a plan for her present. So sometimes we can struggle to find our way, and uh, we can allow fear to block our path, or maybe we feel that we're absolutely alone in what we're facing. Um, in our prison. And it's this place that God comes to and he finds us 
and he reminds us which way to go. In verse 11, the angel of the Lord found Hagar by the spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. You know, and this wasn't, this angel, this wasn't just a messenger. This was the angel of the Lord who found Hagar, which we know that when we talk about the angel of the Lord, we're talking about a representation of Jesus himself. So you see, God didn't just notice Hagar. He went looking for her and he found her. And then Hagar has this amazing face-to-face encounter with God himself. What a beautiful thing it is to be found and to know that God has a plan right in the present. I wonder today if there's anyone here that has got a testimony of being found by God. You know, for me, as a little six-year-old girl many, many, many years ago, um, my mother, she ended up going into rehab, and my father found himself absolutely at the end of himself, having lost all hope. And in that moment, thank you, Jesus, he cried out to God. And God came, and he met him, and we got gathered. He found God. He, we got gathered into a beautiful local church that helped us find our way forward. You know, God had a plan even in our dysfunctional present. Jesus found me. And I was in a little after-school kids program called Joy Time. And uh, I still remember the relief in realizing that there was a God that loved me and that would never, ever leave me. And he hasn't to this day. You know, some of you need to hear that, that God has found you. God has actually found you. And he does have a plan for you in the present. And he loves you. And he's never, ever, ever going to leave you. It says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You know, God sees you right here and right now. My third thought for the morning is that God sees the future that we don't. The angel of the Lord asks Hagar two questions in Genesis um, verse 8, 16, 8. He says this, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? And we notice in this that Hagar actually only answers the first question, where have you come from? She doesn't answer the second question, and I believe this was because Hagar too had lost all hope. She doesn't even know if she's going to make it through today, let alone the next week, year, or, or lifetime. But God saw her future and he spoke hope into Hagar's life. Not only did he use her name, he didn't call her slave, he called her Hagar. He was the only one to use her name. He also promised to bless her greatly and multiply her descendants. God even names her unborn child. In verse 11, you will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard the cry of your affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. He will settle near all his relatives. Maybe the team can come. Ishmael means God hears. It might not be how you would like your son described as a wild donkey that everybody has a hand against him, but this was just what Hagar needed. 
to hear. God validated him. He saw her son and he saw that her son would not be a slave. It was a promise. God saw her future and he blessed her. Interestingly, this conversation comes, becomes one of the first times in Scripture that um, a woman is given the promise of an inheritance. How cool is that? She discovered that she was to give birth to a son and that his name would be Ishmael and that she would have offspring for generations and generations to come. And in verse 21 of Genesis, we read that God promises to make Ishmael's um, offspring into a nation. So it wasn't just a promise for Sarah and Abram and the son that they would later have together. But there was also a promise for Hagar and for Ishmael. Do you need that reminder today for you? Maybe for your sons or your daughters? Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and to give you a future. As I come to a close, I just want to speak to the mums, to the mothers in, a room, in the room for a minute. He is the God that sees you. He sees you, the yet-to-be mother. He sees you, the miracle mother. He sees you, the spiritual mother. He sees you, the foster mother. He sees you, the surrogate mother. He sees you, the expected mother, the stay-at-home mother the working mother, the stepmother, the overwhelmed mother, the single mother, the empty nesting mother. He is the God that sees you. The mother who feels like she's failing, the mother who has loved but lost, the mother who has carried but not held, the mother who has held but not carried, the mother who has hoped but her time has not come, the mother raising children who are not her own. The mother whose miracle came unconventionally. The mother whose promise is still on its way. The mother who feels like she is not ready. The mother who has so many regrets. The grandmothers who are all mothering, who are mothering all over again. And the fathers who unexpectedly carry the role of a mother too. God sees you. And today that means that God sees your past, God sees your present, and God sees the future that you don't. Shall we just pray? Father, I just thank you this morning that you see us. Father, I just pray, Lord God, for every person in this place this morning, that they would know, God, that they are seen by you. Not only, Lord, have you found them, God, but that you have a promise and a hope for the future. And this morning, Lord God, we thank you for that, Lord God. I pray a blessing over every single woman, mother, and person here in the service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.